Welcome to the Purpose City Church Podcast, where we're dedicated to guiding you on a journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We're thrilled to have you here, and regardless of where you're tuning in from, we have faith that this message will be a direct source of inspiration in your life. So, there is a, there's a word from the Lord. There's some things that God wants us to do this morning quickly. And so here is what I want us to do. Just do me a favor. Just hold your hands out like, like, like you're about to receive something, something like this maybe. Hallelujah. Glory. Yep. I see some of y'all doing it big. Y'all just ready. Some of y'all got y'all hand like this. Y'all got a little something coming. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that this is the last day that we'll ever be this empty-handed. I pray right now in the name of Jesus, God, that you would fill our hands with what's in our hearts. I pray that everything in our mind, God, from this moment forward will begin to manifest like never before. I thank you that dreams are coming forth, vision is coming forth, destiny is coming forth, resources are coming into our hands right now in the name of Jesus, and we receive it for your glory. If you believe it, put your hands together right there and give God a hand to pray. If you believe that you receive everything that we just prayed for, hallelujah. Do me a favor, and then we'll sit down. Just make sure that everybody has at least one hand in your hand. So grab somebody by the hand. That everybody has at least one hand in your hand. Hallelujah. Need everybody has a point of contact that you have to be touching someone's hand. No one is empty-handed. Come on, let's pray. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, right now, as we come boldly to the throne of grace, God, we pray right now for our brother and our sister. We pray, God, that this is a moment that would literally change the trajectory of their lives. Uh, we don't know what they're going through, God, but you know what they are going through. So for some of them, God, no one has prayed for them all week long. But right now, in the name of Jesus, we pray for them. We pray, God, that you would strengthen them. We bind the enemy that's coming after them. We pray for their minds right now in the name of Jesus. We loose the strength of God over them right now. Father, we intercede for our brothers and our sisters right now in the name of Jesus. And we pray, come thy kingdom. Come on, pray. Be done thy will in their lives in the name of Jesus. Uh, for someone, this is the last prayer that they will get this week. But God, we cover them right now in prayer. And we pray, God, that a powerful anointing be released upon them right now in the name of Jesus. Uh, and again, we say, come thy kingdom, be done thy will, not the will of man, not the will of the enemy, not the will of our flesh, but let your will be done. We lose healing right now. We lose wisdom right now. We press strength into those hands right now in the name of Jesus. Uh, and we declare devil you cannot have them. We press life into those hands right now in the name of Jesus. Now let those hands go. Let those hands go. And if you believe the prayers that have come out of your own mouth, just give God a hand a praise not for you, but for your neighbor. Hey! 
Come on, we're going to sit down in 10 seconds. But can you praise God like you got your breakthrough, not for you, but for your neighbor? Huh? Can you praise God like you just got your turnaround, but not for you, but for your neighbor? 10, come on. Nine, hunt, eight. You got to learn how to praise God for somebody else. Seven. Glory to God. You all may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. I see some people still standing up because you know your praise is a weapon. You know your praise is a weapon. You know your praise. All right. Uh, glory to God. You all may be seated in the presence of the Lord. We got some work to do. I got to get back to the south side. So let's, let's, let's do some work here this morning. Thank you all. I'll come back to you later. I'll come back to you later. I'll get back with you later. Listen to me. Again, I want to thank you all so much for, for having me again. And just honored to be here, honored to be connected to you all. Just very quickly, God has blessed um, me to be able to write a couple of books. I, I brought just like a few. Well, I mean a few, I just a few. So this latest book is called The Right Prayer Can Change Everything. And I wrote this book really for, for younger people, teenagers. I have five sons. Um, for, for those who are just starting out in prayer, but really would like a, a biblical foundation so that we can start off praying the right way. And I wrote 365 prayers for some of everything. And so this is a resource that I bought today. And I have a few copies in the lobby. And then uh, this book I wrote a few years ago called Innovative Prayer Leader, I've heard it said, thank you, thank you. Somebody got it. Somebody likes it. Thank you. Uh, I've heard it said that every failure is a prayer failure. Somebody say that. Say every failure is a prayer failure. And so for about 20 plus years, I've been working in prayer ministry since I've been in youth ministry. And I took everything that I've learned, the failures and all, and I put it in this book. In the back, I, I think I got like the biggest mistakes I've made as a leader, as a prayer leader. And so this is a great resource for those who are leaders or leaders in seed form or you know a leader. And so I just wanted to mention those. Again, I only have a few copies with me. And so I'll be here just for a little bit after service if you all want to partake in some of this. Can I step forward and yeah, hand the man of God these? Yeah. He said they'll come up here. Look, they got the best armor bearers in the world. Y'all so nice. Don't run too fast. We don't want you to slip. Because we will laugh and pray. We laugh and pray when you fall. I think we laugh more than we pray. <laughs> All right. We got some work to do this morning. Um, if you have your Bibles, we do. Somebody said, go with me quickly to Luke, the 22nd chapter, and we'll just grab a couple of verses for what we have to do this morning. I know that we're going to do some praying today, so I want to get through this, this word as efficient as I possibly can, because I know that we're going to do some praying at the end. So Luke chapter 22, verse 31, and I'm reading out of the Amplified Translation. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, Simon, Simon, Peter. Listen, Satan has demanded 
permission, somebody say permission, permission to sift all of you like grain. Verse 32. But I have prayed, especially for you, Peter, that your faith and confidence in me may not fail. And you, Peter, once you have turned back to me, strengthen and support your brothers in the faith. Uh, that's enough for what we need this morning. I want to use for a title for those that like taking notes, and I do encourage you to take some notes this morning. Intercession, the antidote for spiritual battles. All right. Intercession is the antidote for spiritual battles. For many of you, a common occurrence in your life is people coming to you for help. They come to you for advice and they come to you for prayer. How many of that's true? Like people always find you, no matter where you go, no matter where you try to hide, you at work just trying to get through your shift. And here people come. I need to talk. I need somebody to talk to. You ain't got no counseling degree. You barely got a GED. But for some reason, people gravitate to you for prayer. They gravitate to you for help. And they gravitate to you for advice. If, if, if that's anybody in the building, just say me or say yes or nod your head or do something. You, you just trying to be you. You're not boasting about Jesus. You're not singing your favorite praise song. You don't have your favorite scripture written on your head. But for some reason, out of everybody that someone can talk to, I mean, in your family, they calling on you. For help, for prayer, and for advice. I want you to understand God has marked you. And you are necessary and you are needed. And not, not, just, not just unsaved folk, but there are some blood-washed folk, some fire-baptized folk, some folk that speak in tongues, some folk that know how to shout on beat. They look spiritual in church, but after church, they come looking for you. Why? For advice. They come looking for you for prayer. They come looking to you for help. And this is not just older people. Some of you all are in high school, in college, and it seems like every time your friend is going through something, your phone is ringing. They're hitting you on the messenger. They're hitting you in the DM saying, I need help. They're reaching out to you saying, I'm thinking about taking my life. Am I by myself or is there anybody in the building where it seems like those type of situations, those type of things are happening to you? If you're that person in your family, you're that person on your job, you're that person in the church, just wave your hands at me and let me know, yeah, they be coming to me. Almost like Nicodemus in the night. They spiritual in the daytime. 
But at nighttime, they're coming to you when they're about to throw in the towel. This is significant, and this means something, and I want to get through this today. There are three, listen, if you're taking notes, inevitable aspects of the Christian walk. I don't care what denomination, I don't care what the name of your church is, if you call yourself a believer, if, you, if you've named the name of Christ, there are three things that are inevitable. First of all, seasons. None of us can get around seasons. Genesis 8.22 says, as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. All of us have to go through seasons. And this is why a good marriage counselor will tell um, those that they are counseling, don't give up on your marriage in a winter season. And if you've ever been married for any amount of time, you know that marriages go through seasons. If, if you're a parent, you, 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 you're a good parent, Parent, you tell your young people, listen, don't give up on life. Don't give up on your dreams in a winter season. Why? Because we understand that things get better. And we got some people who mistakenly judge people in the wrong season. We all go through seasons. And even in this room today, there are some people that are in a winter season. And there are some people that are in the summer season. There are some people that are in a fall season and people that are in a spring season. As long as the earth remains, we will have seasons. That's why you can't panic or you can't get off your post when you're having a difficult time. Because you understand this is just a season and there has to be more than this. I wonder if there are two or three people that are in a willing season that know it will not be like this always. That if there are two or three people that you're facing a winter season that you have a promise that tells you that there has to be more than this. If there are two or three people in the building where you are going through, through, through but you know that you're not going through alone because God is with you in this season. The next inevitable aspect of the Christian walk is sin. Somebody say sin. All of us sin. Somebody say amen. Even on Sunday, you sin. <laughs> it's inevitable. And I know you want people to think that you don't sin. I know that some of you want people to think that you're perfect. Some of you want people to think that you got it all together. Some of, some of you want people to think that you've overcome every obstacle in life. But the truth of the matter is that if we were to play your private moments on that screen on the video or my private moments on that screen on the video, we all put up our Baptist finger and be out of Purpose City Church. Because all of us have sinned and do sin. John 1, 8 and 10 says this. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. 
And this used to be my favorite verse when I was growing up. When I was first a Christian, this was my favorite verse. I keep it handy right now, but 1 John 1 and 9 was my favorite verse. If we confess our sins to him, he's faithful. Some of y'all know that. That's y'all favorite verse too, I see. And he's just to forgive you of all. You don't know no other scripture in the Bible. You know that one scripture. He's faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. And some of us, we got to be grateful to God and thank God that in the seasons where we're not cooperating with God, in the seasons where we have a case of the I can't help it, in the seasons where we're not willing to be consecrated, that God covers us. Oh, my Jesus. I don't know about you, but I give God praise that when I was crazy, he covered me. Oh, Lord, I wonder again, I I feel the anointing. I wonder again if there's anybody who is bold enough to just admit with your praise that you ain't always been perfect. God just covered you. He just ain't let everybody see your mess. You should have went to jail like they went to jail. You should have been caught like they've been caught. But God covered you in the midst of your mess and in the midst of your sins. Great is his mercy toward me. That's why all of us should come in church and give God the best praise that we have. Why? Because it's no goodness of my own. He covered me. Every time you get up to do anything in church, you should stop and give God a praise because you know like I know like we all know that we don't deserve anything. But he covered me in my mess. Every day you wake up, you wake up with some called brand new mercy. Why? Why would God give you brand new mercy? Because he know you need it each and every day. This thing I call to mind, therefore I have hope. It is of the Lord's mercies, mercy, mercy, mercies that I'm not consumed. It's not because of my degree. It's not because of my money. It's not because of my church affiliation. It's not because I always get it right. But great is thy mercies toward me. Why? Because all of us sin. This is why I cannot understand, Pastor, why Christians can be judgmental. Because we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So there is an inevitability of seasons. We all go through seasons. There's the inevitability of sin. But then there's also the inevitability of what we call spiritual battles. And this is what I want to focus on. On today, spiritual battles. When you and I got saved, listen, children of God, when we asked Jesus to become the Lord of our lives, we enlisted ourselves in the army of God, which means now that we have signed up for a spiritual battle. We need to put that somewhere on our little sign-up sheets for ministry. That needs to be a little disclaimer. We need to put that in a fine print. When you join this ministry, hell going to come after you. You mean to tell me that you think you just going to get on an intercessory prep ministry and not have to battle? You mean to uh, tell me that you think that y'all going to merge two churches together and just be clowning and having fun? And do- You mean to tell me that you're going to just bust the devil upside of his 
his head, see deliverance and release prophetic words, be singing all these songs. You mean to tell me that you think you're going to do all that and not have to fight the devil? The devil is a liar. If you are in the church, you will have some spiritual battles. Bible says something like, I'm not a Bible scholar, I'm not a theologian, but the Bible says something like, thinking not strange. <laughs> when these fiery darts come to try you, some of us be thinking it's strange when we go through. You know what's strange? When you don't go through. Some of us think it's strange when we face spiritual battles. You know what should be scary to you when nothing is going on. Because all of us, it's in inevitable that you will face a spiritual battle. Here is a fact. You are either in a spiritual battle, just came out of a spiritual battle, or you know the rest. You are headed for a spiritual battle. And there are people right now that are in the midst of a spiritual battle, and this is where I want to lay my hat this morning, and this is what I want to focus on. Since we're all going through a spiritual battle, or, we're all, or we all will go through a spiritual battle, or we all just came out of a spiritual battle, let me tell you a few things. The outcome, Purpose City Church, of the spiritual battle will greatly hinge on intercession. We all got to go through it. Well, then if we all have to go this route, what will determine how I come through this? Oh, Lord. What will determine if I make it? It will be intercession. It is the antidote. Intercession, if you're taking notes, serves as the antidote for the inevitability of spiritual battles. When we look at each other from this day forth, when we, when we look at each other in the kingdom of God, we have to look at each other and know that at some point or another, that, that, that my brother and my sister, that our church, that we're going to face a spiritual battle. This is why we can't trip on people that go through because it might just be spiritual. Without prayer and without intercession, we will fail to overcome these spiritual battles. Bible says something like men, Jesus was teaching on prayer, and he said something like men should always pray and not faint, which means that you have a choice in the matter, which you can not pray and faint, or you can pray and not faint, but you can't not pray and not faint. People... <laughs> Men and women, the church must always pray and not faint, turn coward, give up and lose heart. There, 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 there are no two choices here. It's on the one hand, you pray and you stand strong, or it's on the other hand that you don't pray and you faint. Again, what I want to drive home today, and I'm going to hit these points extremely with efficiency, what I want you to understand this morning as you ponder this throughout the week, that I have a choice in the matter whether or not I faint. Ah, oh Lord. I don't have the choice necessarily of what I go through, but I do have a choice of how I go through. 
I, I don't have the choice necessarily of what I go through, but I do have the choice of who I go through with. Oh, my God. So, again, without prayer and without intercession, we will fail to overcome spiritual battles. In our text, we see Jesus, um, the great intercessor, and we see how he aids Peter, who is facing a spiritual battle. So we all know that Peter was one of the Lord's disciples. You all know Peter. Peter was the disciple that was always clowning. Peter had a season where he walked on water. That's a pretty good season. Peter had a season where he was like flesh and blood, you know, uh, you know, have I, Jesus said, who do men say that I am? And, and, and Peter said, thou art the Christ. Some, I mean, that's a good season when you, when you got revelation flowing, right? You got to understand that he in a great season. He talking to Jesus, giving Jesus revelation. And Jesus said, listen, listen, this is from the Lord, right? It's a really great season going on. But Peter is about to go from walking on water. Peter is about to go from being on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus. I mean, that's a good season when you're on the Mount with Jesus and he's transfigured. Peter is about to go from a season where he's given revelation to a season, listen to me, where he's in the winter. He's about to face a season of spiritual battles. And here's what I want us to learn, because all of us will have to deal with spiritual battles. And it's not, it's not that we can always call Pastor uh, uh, Talent and Ty. It's not that we can always call on the person who we think is going to help us through this season. I'm telling you today that in spiritual seasons, you need some intercession. So quickly, because I want us to pray, I want to give you seven lessons we learned from Jesus from this story. He's the greatest intercessor on the subject of intercession. Number one, first lesson. Intercessors can prepare you for spiritual battles. As a person that prays, if you lock in to praying for a person, all of us have a prayer responsibility. Say that, say, I have a prayer responsibility. If you begin to lock into your prayer responsibility, you will be able to tell people things that will prepare them for what they are getting ready to go through. I remember when I was younger in ministry and there was a mentor, an intercessor, actually the first prayer leader at our church, and she told me, she said, Terrell, you're gifted, you, you are anointed, the hand of God is on you. She said, but I want to tell you something about yourself. You are inconsistent. And she said, the devil is coming after you. She said, you run to a place of solitude in the name of the Lord, but what you're really doing is you are avoiding conflict. She said, if you keep disconnecting every time it gets hot in the kitchen, you're going to abort your promise. But she was able to tell me that. Why? Because she was an intercessor and she was able to prepare me for a spiritual battle so I can get to the point where now I can be consistent in the thing that God has called me to do. The scripture says, Simon, Simon, Peter, listen, 
Satan has demanded permission to sift all of you like wheat. There are some things that when you begin to pray for your brother, when you begin to pray for your sister, that God will begin to reveal to you that you can tell them, listen, this is about to happen. We have to be okay with telling people when things are about to happen if it's on the wings and strength of intercession. There was a lady, she was a powerful intercessor, and she was raising her grandbaby. And she told her grandbaby, she said, baby, I've been praying for you, and I had a dream that you went out and you got killed. Can you do me a favor? She said, can you stay in the house tonight? I know you got plans. I know you want to go out with your friends. I know you want to go out and play. But baby, I know God. I had this dream. and I don't. Can you stay in the house tonight? The boy said, no, I bought these clothes. We got these tickets. I'm going out to hang out with my friends. He went out that night and died in a car accident. The intercessor was there to prepare him for what was about to happen. So that's a lesson. Intercessors can prepare you for spiritual battle. Number two, here's another lesson. I love this. Intercessors pray during spiritual battles. It's one thing to see something that's happening, but it's another thing when you begin to lock in and pray. There are many times, listen, saints, where God will let you in on something that's going on in someone else's life, and it's not for you to gossip. It's not for you to spread their business. It's not for you to get on a call, a line. I want all of us to just pray for such and such because we heard that her husband ain't no good. I saw him. He was going in a script, script club. I, I, her husband is just a mess. Boy, I saw Shaquanda, and Shaquanda just a mess. Boy, she be at work, and she got a work husband, and they be... And, uh, uh, yeah. and you see stuff, and God just don't want you to see it, but he wants you to pray about it. I do not believe that God gives us spiritual words, spiritual insight, revelation for us to gossip. But Jesus said, look at verse 22. Again, intercessors pray doing spiritual battles. Satan desires to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you. Oh, Lord, my God. We need to be able to tell people when they're going through our children. We need to be able to tell people when they're going through our family members. We need to be able to tell people when they're in their season of mess. But I prayed for you. But I got you in prayer. But I interceded for you because this intercession is the antidote for spiritual battles. Let's keep moving. Lesson number three. Intercessors know how to focus on the right target. When God reveals to you something that someone is going through, when God reveals to you an attack that has come against the church, when God reveals to you an attack that has come against the family, you have to learn how to ask God, okay, you've given me this, I'm praying, but God, show me how to pray the right way for this situation. Show me how to pray, God, for what you desire. Show me how to pray from the, for, for the outcome that you want. And Jesus, again, verse 22, he says, but I have prayed for you, especially for you, Peter. 
This is Jesus, and he's telling Peter that you're in the midst of a spiritual battle. You are going through a thing. Satan desires to sift you as wheat. And let me parenthetically pause to say this, that this is the greatest battle that Peter could ever face. Like, why, why do you say that, Terrell? Why do you say this is the greatest battle that Peter could ever face? This is the greatest battle that Peter could ever face because Jesus told him, listen, that Satan wants you. He didn't say that a legion of angels wants you. He didn't say that some demons want you. He didn't say principalities want you. He didn't say powers want you. He didn't say the rulers of the darkness of this world want you. He didn't say spiritual weakness. He said Satan wants you. And there's no greater attack than when Satan himself comes after you. But Jesus said that he's coming after you. This is why I have especially prayed for you. This is why as a church that we have to pray especially for our pastors. If you think that some demons are coming after you, Imagine what's coming after them. He says, Satan's coming after you, but I prayed for you, especially for you. Point number four, intercessors. Intercessors understand the enemy's plan. He said, I prayed for you that your faith and confidence in me may not fail. See, we have to begin to discern and understand what it is that Satan wants to do. Intercessors have to understand the enemy's plan. And he says, listen, Peter, I prayed for you, but let me tell you what I prayed for you. I prayed that in the midst of everything that you are going through, that your faith doesn't fail. Oh, what a good prayer. Oh, Lord, what a good prayer. For some of us, we be praying that people's money don't fail. We be praying that their marriage don't fail. We be praying that their, that their, their, their business don't fail. We be praying that their ministry don't fail. We have to start praying for people, our children, our church members, our brothers and sisters, that in the midst of everything that you are going through, in the midst of this spiritual battle, that your faith does not fail. Here's the clue. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But faith is strengthened through prayer. He prayed that although Satan is coming after you, not a demon, not a, not, 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 not a group of demons, but Satan himself, like Thanos, I'll do it myself. Satan is coming after you. And I prayed that even Satan himself, oh Lord, I pray that you can understand how Powerful this is. Like I'm talking about there's one Satan. And he has asked for you. And he has been granted permission to get at you. Y'all remember the story in the Bible where Job was, was chilling? He had everything, right? Job had everything. He had everything. He had everything. <laughs> he had everything. He could not complain. He could not. Job didn't know how much he really had. He forgot, but it's a lot. Job had everything. Job had houses. Job had land. Job had family. But something happened in the spirit realm. Well, Satan began to talk to God. He said, can I have a shot at him? 
He said, the only reason he's serving you is because he got stuff. What I'm trying to tell you is that Satan came after Peter, but Jesus understood the plan, and he began to pray that his faith would not fail. I don't care what my children go through. I don't care how much they wild out. I don't care how much they get off track. I don't care how much it looked like they're not following the path of God. My prayer is that their faith would not fail. You can't give up on your children. You can't give up on people that used to be in church and backslid. You can't give up on your brother and sister because they have an assignment and it is our responsibility. The antidote for this spiritual attack is intercession. What should we pray? That their faith would not fail. Number five, intercessors understand God's purposes. So Jesus was praying a targeted, focused prayer for Peter that his faith would not fail. And then we have to grasp this and understand that he was able to pray this because he, he understood the plan and purpose for Peter's life. He said this, verse 22, um, Luke, toward the B part of the verse. He says, and you, Peter, once you have turned back to me, strengthen and support your brothers in the faith. He understood, watch this, that Peter had an assignment on his life. He understood that God had a plan for Peter. He understood that God wanted to use Peter, but Peter was not going to avoid this spiritual battle. He was not going to avoid this spiritual attack, but Jesus was praying a targeted prayer that he could, he could hold up under the weight of the spiritual attack and do what God has called him to do. There are many people that have purpose, they have vision, they have dreams, they have an assignment, and they feel the weight of a spiritual attack, and they break. Why do they break? Because they don't have the intercession to support the spiritual attack that comes with the assignment. Right now, it's almost noon, and right in my church in Chicago on the south side, there are a group of intercessors that are supporting the man of God in prayer because the weight of the assignment requires intercession. The spiritual battle that goes with this, uh, the antidote is intercession. You see God on your life. You see traces of glory on, on, on even your children's life. You have to begin to support them with intercession. Number six, intercessors activate. I love this. The word that people need. If you and I posture ourselves in intercession and begin to pray for the people that God has assigned us to pray for, God's going to get them a word. If you and I begin to pray for the people that God has assigned for us to pray for, pray for God knows how to get a word to them. Listen, we have a, a prayer responsibility. All of us have people that we need to intercede for. All of us know people that are in a spiritual battle. And if we intercede, their faith will not fail, and God will get the word that they need at the right time. They need it to bring them through. You all know the story. Peter had given up on ministry, so it seemed. But there was a prayer at work. 
in his life. There was intercession at work in his life. Jesus had prayed, and although it looked like he had thrown in the towel forever, that prayer and that word together was going to call Peter out of that boat. Huh, this is the frustration that we have when we're trying to tell people how good Jesus is and they don't see it. When we're trying to tell people how much they need God and they don't see it. When we're trying to tell people how amazing church was and they're not paying us no attention. It's because we got word but not enough intercession. He said in Mark 16 and 7, this is the angel talking to Mary. He says, listen, tell the disciples and Peter. Get a word to Peter that although you messed up, I still got you. Although you messed up, I pray for you that your faith would not fail. And it may take a month, it may take two months, it may take two years, it may take a few seasons, but the intercession and the word together is going to cause a breakthrough to come that's going to be amazing. Last point is this. Intercession overcame the greatest spiritual battle. What do I mean? I said earlier in our text that the Bible says that Satan came after Peter. And you would think that if Satan came after Peter, it's, it's over, right? I remember back in the day, um, I was a young, young <laughs> uh, in my teenage years, uh, I, I was dating this girl up on the west side. West Side, y'all know how West Side, let's do it. Woo, woo, right? <laughs> so I'm dating this girl, and she was fine too. She was still lucky to be dating me, but she was fine. And I remember sitting on her porch one summer. It was probably about 8 o'clock, so you know it like start, you know, sun start going down a little bit, 8 something. And I'm sitting on her porch, and a dude walk up. And Pastor Talley, I was like, you know, 16 or so. This was when I had my 16-year-old body. I didn't have this body right here. Some of y'all remember y'all 16-year-old body. I played basketball, dunk a ball, and everything. I had my athletic look on. And I'm sitting on the porch, and dude was like, hey, what's up, trying to holler at my girl. And I was like, man, bro, you kind of disrespectful. And my girl's eyes got big. And he said, punk. And he was a big dude, too. Did I speak to you? He looked like Debo. He said, punk, did I speak to you? I was like, man, bro, would you talk to my girl? You see me right here? This is disrespectful. He said, like, I'll kill you on this porch. I was like, Am I, and so I'm like, I'm sitting down, and I, you know, I'm from the West Side, so we, we, we fought back then. Everybody didn't pick up no guns like they do now. So I stood up. I'm like, all right. I, I, I get off the stairs. I stand up because I don't want him to just rush, and rush me and <laughs> pummel me to pieces, right? So I, I, I get up. I walk off the porch, and my girl says, Terrell, don't fight him. He be killing people. I said, thanks for the boat of confidence, right? Thanks for the confidence. And she's like, don't fight him, just go home. He's like, I'm about to whoop you. And so his west side is hot, right? K-Town is hot, everybody out. And so 
people started grabbing him. And I just heard everybody say, run, Terrell, run. And I'm thinking, I can't run. I'm from the west side. I can't run. My girl right here. And then it was like about eight people holding him. No cap. Eight people holding this dude. And they was like, we can't hold him. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. Let me just walk fast. I'm trying to walk, you know. I'm trying not to run. Let me just walk a little fast. And y'all remember the scene in The Matrix where all of the agents was all on top of Neo and they was piling on him and, and then he just, and they offer. It looked like to me that he had threw eight people off of him and started running toward me. I did a little zigzag move. Peril, I was gone. And I can, feel, I can feel him on my neck like he was getting really close. And something happened, he started tripping and he fell. And I was running, I laughed a little bit. But then I, I, I ran to the crib and I was just so hurt and I was so disappointed. But here's what I knew. I knew that if this dude had caught me, it was over. And Satan wanted Peter. So we ought to, it's over, right? But it wasn't over. Why? Because somebody interceded. And I believe to this day, I have the speed of Sha'Carri Richardson. And I ain't never been that fast. That was my praying grandmother. In the prayer class that morning, God, give my grandbaby speed <laughs> so he can overcome this spiritual battle. What am I trying to tell y'all? All of us have a responsibility to pray for those that are facing a spiritual battle. Give God a hand of praise. I'm done. Thank you for being part of today's episode. To stay connected, please visit us at PurposeCityChurch.com. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your loved ones. Your support means the world to us. As you go about your day, remember to make a meaningful difference in the world. Thanks for listening.